This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Yeah, I'm going to forewarn everybody that um, this is a little bit of a wild one. So before we start, just know that there's a lot of things that I'm about to say today that are not going to be in shot. They're entirely in drushing up. So if you ask me afterward, like, that's a little crazy, I'll be like, yeah, I warned you. So here we go. Parshat Chai Sarah 5784, it starts, Perech of Dalet, Pasuk Rivka lifted up her eyes. Vateris Yitzchak, she saw Yitzchak, Vatipol Me'alagamol, she fell off her camel. Anybody here ever been in a camel before? Okay, they're really tall. <laughs> like, falling off a camel is not okay. That's not okay for anybody. Whether she was three, she was 13, or 33, it's really difficult to fall off a camel. That's something you don't expect to do. But Tomer Lavin, she said to the Evan, Mia Ishalazel Who is this guy? This man who seems to be coming to greet us over here. Vayomer Evan, and the Evan said, Who Adoni? It's my master. She took her, 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 what, her veil, right, and she covered herself. Now, a couple questions over here. Number one, what exactly did she see that made her fall off the camel? Number two, what does it mean she fell off? You can't just fall off a camel. That can't happen. So what exactly did she do if she didn't fall off a camel? And then, who is she asking about? She's like, who is this guy? What did she see that shocked her so much that she had to ask who the guy was? The Evid said, it's my master. Who is the Evid's master? Who is the slave's master? Eliezer's master? Avraham. But it wasn't, it was Yitzchak. Why is the slave, why is Eliezer saying it's my master if that doesn't answer the question? And then, what does it mean that she took a veil and she covered herself with it? What exactly is that? I haven't started. No questions. Get out of here. Rashi says, when Rivka, no, not even start. Rivka, Rashi says, when Rivka looked up and saw Yitzchak Avinu, she saw pure majesty. Hadur. She saw uh, something that she had never seen before, some type of malchus that she couldn't believe. She was so shocked and astonished by her appearance. Rashi says, Betoa. She was wondering, how could someone look like this? Sif Sechachamim says, she knew right then this had to be Yitzchak Avinu. Eliezer hadn't yet told her who, she, who he was, and yet she knew it was him. Who else could possibly look this way? That was her thought process. It's got to be him. Now, the Bali Tosfos says that she saw a malach walking with Yitzchak Avinu. She apparently was used to seeing Malachim, not just the people in Avram Avinu's house, but Rivka Avinu as well, and hinted to by the S in front of Yitzchak's name, by Tera S Yitzchak. And when she saw the Malach, or that Yitzchak himself looked like a Malach, then she immediately said, this is someone special. This is not someone that I sit on top of a camel for. Tzor says that she saw the Shechina with him, again from the S that was with him, realizing it's got to be Rebashert, and only asked Eliezer the next Pasuk to confirm that it was actually Yitzchak. But she absolutely knew. The Akedis Yitzchak and Sharak Beis says the same and the Alshech says the Shekhinah can also be learned from the word S, right? Just like when Moshe Rabbeinu was seen by Bisya, the daughter of Paro, she saw him in the Teva and it says the Shekhinah was with the Vatir Ehu S Hayeled. Some say it comes from the word S and therefore she knew that the Shekhinah was with this child who was a very special child. Now the Miyamu says she lifted up her eyes and saw him davening Mincha, 
with amazing kavana, with a kavana that she couldn't believe. She realized that this man was absolutely special. She knew it was an Adam Gadol. She hoped it was her future husband, but she wasn't sure yet. And as he took his three steps back from davening, he, it seemed he was coming toward them, and that's when she asked who he was. Which is super interesting, by the way. Number one, that they took three steps back back then. That is an interesting thing. And number two, that she mistook his back for his front. She's taking, he's taking three steps back and she thought, oh, he must be coming toward me and thought that was there. That's all from the Miam Loez and a little bit strange. The Nitziv says she saw him davening with his arms up to Shemayim, something that we don't do nowadays and I have a whole shir on that from before. He was, she was convinced that he was the Malach. Right? Not that just that he looked like a Malach, that he was a Malach, which is why she asked who he was, and she became very scared. She was so frightened, she had to ask immediately who she was. All of that is from the Nitziv itself. Now, going a little bit further, the Imre Shefer says there is someone else who is known as Halozeh in Tanakh. Halozeh. Ha'ish Halozeh. And that's a very beautiful guy as well. Yosef Hatzadik. Right? that this dreamer is coming toward us. That's what the Shvatim said, the Shiftei said, as they saw Yosef walking toward him when they were in Dosan itself. The comparison between the two, between Yosef Atzadik and Yitzchak over here, both passed their tests. Yosef Atzadik, Wadeshis Potifar, although I know that had not happened yet when the Shvatim said that about him. And Yitzchak Kabinu with the Akedah. When you pass a test, that was made specifically for you, that allows a person to become Yafas Toar. Not just beautiful, but have almost like a shine to you that's different from everybody else. You have a Kirun or Panov. You have a light that streams from your, your face that makes you seem a little bit different. They both passed their test with their father's help. Yitzchak Avinu had Avram Avinu doing the Akedah for him. Yosef Atzadik saw Yaakov Avinu's diyukan, his appearance, and that's what allowed him to be able to do anything that he was able to do. And it's possible they even looked alike, that Yosef Atzadik looked like Yitzchak, and that's what the word Hadur means over here. Yes, Shalom. Yes, Moshe also was shining. Yeah, the test was that he davened for Klal Yisrael, but he did not do, he's not called Halazeh, because there's a little bit of a difference. He didn't get help from his father in order to pass his test. He did it on his own. So that's a little bit of a difference between them, but yes, obviously Moshe Rabbeinu as well with his face shining. Now the Elena Lushabach brings down that the Chazanish was once walking by Moshe Blau's funeral, right? And he saw, all of a sudden, he saw the Goyne of Chabin, right? It's Rabdov Beresh Wiedenfeld. He had never seen him before, right, the Chazanish, and he had never spoken a word to him, but he said to those people around him, he said, who is this man with the Hadras Panim, with the beautiful face, almost like the Kirinor Panim? Who is this man, the Chabina Rav? Although the Chabina Rav was a gone in Torah and Chesed, it's possible that says Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein, that he attained this clear glow based on a test that he had passed when he was younger. The Rub used to work as a buyer and seller of certain items. At one time, the Rub was offered an absolute ton of whatever it was he was dealing with, and they offered him an absolute ton. The seller refused to give him anything, pulled the Rub to the side, and he whispered to him that the price of these items, he knows, is about to go drastically down. If he buys it now at this price, he's going to take a massive loss. Don't do it. Don't let others benefit. Right? Make others lose out, but you shouldn't lose out. The Rav didn't listen. 
he knew that people depended on him. And if he delayed his orders, even if it was in order to make, you know, make a living and to be able to make a little bit more money, they would lose out on other things and other people might buy and those Jews would lose out of money. So the Chabina Rav did it anyway, bought it anyway, knowing that that was going to happen, knowing that that's what a Kaddish Baruch wanted to do. And he passed that Nisayon, even though he lost a lot of money from it. Rabbi Yitzhak Zobershin says that that's the Nisayon that he passed that allowed him to be the person that the Chazanish was able to see a Hadras Panim on him. Yeah. Yeah, it was not his father, but there's still a hadras punim that comes from. You don't need that. You just need that to be called halazet. So that would be, that, that would be the idea behind it. Now, all of that is going with the fact that he was beautiful, awesome. There was something crazy about Yitzhakovina, which we're going to come back to. There are other opinions. For example, the Chiskuni says she saw a tall, imposing, scary person coming toward them through a field who looked confident and was walking straight through the field like he owned it, right? She was very young at the time, possibly only three, oh, that's very, although that's really hard to understand, right? She thought he might be a robber. And that's the reason why she fell off the camel out of fear that she thought this guy was coming to beat them up. That's the Tchizkuni itself. The Rabbeinu Ophayim says the exact same thing. She was scared because he didn't seem to be walking on the path, but rather straight through the field. Yeah, what were you going to say, Shlomo? Nonetheless, scary person is a scary person. Right? I, I don't know if I'd see a person coming at me, or even if I knew there were people around me, I still might be a little scared. Right? I might not fall off a camel. Right? But again, that does make a little bit of sense. Plus, she was probably young. How young, I don't know, but she was probably young. The Rokach says the exact opposite. She saw someone who was clearly in charge and clearly chashuv and wanted to know who he was. The Taz and Dere David calls it Hador Belvusho. He was wearing beautiful clothing. Not just that he looked good, but he looked, think, thought he was the king of the land. Like, this is the person who's in charge of everything around here. So those so far are three different opinions. His actual appearance of how good he looked, was he scary looking, or was he somebody who's clearly chashev in charge? And that's obviously ignoring the other Rishonim that he saw Malachim, she saw Malach, she saw him looking like a Malach, etc. The Malai, quoted both the, by both the Tzedel Adar and the Berhetev, says what actually happened is that Rivka, Rivka Yimeno, and Yitzchak both saw each other at the exact same time, and he was so embarrassed Listen to this. He was so embarrassed that he turned back and started walking the other way. Hadur does not mean that he was beautiful. Hadur does not mean he was shocking. Hadur means he turned backward, started walking the other way. She knew it was her future husband and was so shocked he went the other way. She wanted to confirm with Eliezer and then ask, who is this? And she couldn't understand what he was embarrassed about. It's normal for a chassan to run to his kawa and not run away. That Tzedel Aderech rejects this idea because he doesn't think it makes sense in Rashi, but that idea of him walking the other way. Now, I don't have a reason why he walked the other way. In other words, that's what the Tzedel Aderech quotes and why the Marai says it. I can't give you an exact reason why Hadur would mean that he walked around the other way. My only guess is, my idea is, is that the reason why he turned around and went in the other direction is that he saw that Rivka Imenu was supposed to be given to him as a wife and he didn't want to meet her in the middle of a field. He wanted to meet her in the middle of his house. So he went back the other way so that he would be more comfortable in his house in the field. That's the only suggestion that I have. But I'm not sure exactly what it is. 
There is another opinion, the Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra says these psukim are clearly out of order. She asked Eliezer who the person was. He told her it was his master Yitzchak. She came down off the camel in order to greet him. Vatomer Eved really means she had already said to the servant, who is this person? The Ramban doesn't like this approach. He says you have to mess up the psukim in order to do it. You can't read the psukim straight, even the second pasuk before the first pasuk. Aside from that, the Ramban never likes taking psukim out of order if it doesn't need to be. He says, no, she was shocked at first, and then she came down. That's a little bit better. And the Ramban says, the other idea is that maybe the guy was coming to greet them. Maybe the guy was asking for a place to stay. That's why she decided the best thing to do was to be standing tznius while talking to him. So she got off the camel to talk to this man who was clearly coming to talk to them. Now, all of that works out well. Okay, we're just going in a different direction now. The Rashbam says, you have to read the second Pusik in a little bit of a different way. Because he says, was Rivka Menu asking about every guy who was coming by? She's like, who's that guy? Wait, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Then all of a sudden she's saying, who is this guy that's coming to me through the field? Was she really asking that? No, says the Rashbam. The guy was walking through the field. Yitzchak Avinu was walking to clearly greet them. She said, who is this man who is clearly coming to greet us? Who is this guy? Not that she was scared necessarily. That's not it, says the Rashbam. It's all about why is this person coming toward us as if he knows us. That's the Rashbam. The Moshe of Zikanim says in his second answer that obviously she saw, again, as we said before, it's a very special person. The word halazeh comes from the word luz, a type of fruit that grows very nicely. And hadur, as Rashi said, she asked about who this special person was. That goes with Rashi's pshat together with Rashbam. But the Rosh says, like we said up above, she saw him davening. But the tefillah was so special, it seemed to be go directly to Shemayim, and she knew it was Avram or Yitzchak. Right? What's funny is, is that Eliezer's answer, as we said before, is not going to answer that really well. Saying that this is my master could be Avram or Yitzchak. If she's asking, is it Avram or is it Yitzchak? Right? And, she, and he, Eliezer's answer is, it's my master, doesn't help at all. So my thought behind this is, is that it could be that he was too far away to tell which one it was. Remember, Avram and Yitzchak looked very much alike. And because there was no real aging at that point, not yet, there will be a point where there's aging, but Avram and Yitzchak looked very alike, and there wasn't that big of a difference between them, and they were a little bit farther away, Eliezer just said, I know it's my master, I just don't know which one. Is it Avram or Yitzchak? And that's it. I later found that the Balitosis give that exact answer, so I felt a lot better about myself. But it makes a lot of sense that that's why Eliezer said, Hu Adoni. He didn't know. He had absolutely no idea which one it was. Yes, yeah, Shlomo. Yeah. I think so, because either the hands were up, or they just felt they saw a Kedusha that they couldn't believe, and therefore, it must have been davening. It's one of the two. But far enough away that you can't see the face, I can't believe it's that far. Like, not seeing the face could be, especially without my glasses, like, I can't even see Avi right now. Let alone, like, Dave at the end of the table, or Ellie at the end, I don't even know, okay, Ellie at the end of the table. I can't see anybody without my glasses on. If they had perfect 20-20 vision, then Anachanami. But if it was just a hundred feet away, yeah, you might be able to see the person with his hands up in or, you know, clearly davening or praying to Hashem. I don't think they did a quiet davening back then. He probably was even louder than normal. He was saying things out loud. It makes sense that there was some type of a connection between them. That's what I would think between that. But now, guys, we're going in a very, very different direction. Okay? We have three Rishonim. The Paneach Raza, Revovadya Mibartanura, and the Moshev Zikanim. 
that all say something that's absolutely amazing. Okay, he says, based on a medrash, all three of them say, based on a medrash, she was so shocked she fell off her camel because she saw him walking with his head on the ground and his feet in the air. Now, why was he walking with his head on the ground and the feet in the air? Because that's the way that people walk when they come out of Gan Eden. As we see by Shmuel Anavi, when he's called up by the Balas Ov, by Shaul Melech at the end of Shmuel Aleph. Right, if you remember, the Balasov turned and said, Why did you lie to me? You're clearly Shola Melech. How did she know that he was Shola, she, that this man was Shola Melech? Because she saw that Shmuel and Avi came right side up. Usually when she called people from the dead, they came upside down, feet in the air and head to the ground. But out of Kavod for the king, Shmuel and Avi appeared right side up. Reisi Elohim, Olim Mina Aretz. He's coming up from the ground, not from the heavens. What in the world is going on? She said, you must be the king. Which means normal people, when they come out from the dead, come from their feet up in the air and their head down in the ground. Now listen to this. Yitzchok Avinu had been cut during the Akedah. It doesn't necessarily say that he died, but he had been cut in some way. The Medrash says he went up to Gan Eden to be healed for the last three years. In fact, all of the Medrash, Medrash Rava, Medrash Tanchuma, Yalkut Shimoni, all of them say the Yitzchok Ba, the last passage, the Yitzchok Ba, mi be'er l'chai ro'i, the Yitzchok Ba is the gematria of mi Gan Eden. That it's that same gematria. It's 208, 214, 217. Altogether, 217, that the Yitzchak Ba is the same as me Gan Eden, that he was coming straight from Gan Eden. Not only that, the Razid Amer says it's hinted to by the Trump. In the next Pasuk, in Pasuk Samach Dalid, it says, Samach Dalid, Samach Hay. it says, Mia Ish Halazeh HaHolech. Who's walking by the holy? There's a mapach, you know, mapach right over there for all Ashkenazim. Svarim have a different thing, but mapach, mapach means he was turned around. He was literally walking upside down, walking the hippoch. Who is this guy that's walking upside down? Now do you understand why she fell off a camel? I would fall off a camel. If I saw a person walking to greet me upside down as he's coming to greet me, yes, I would be absolutely shocked. The Chida quotes this and says at the end, Zeu Chiddush Gadol, the Eno Muvan. This is an unbelievable Chiddush and it's not understandable. The Chida says this. I can tell you a thousand things the Chida says that I don't have any idea what he's talking about. And the Chida is saying about this Chiddush of three we shown him. He says, Eno Muvan. Now, here's my reasons why. He doesn't explain why he doesn't like it. I'm assuming like this. Okay, maybe someone who appears in front of a necromancer appears with his feet up in the air. But not someone who comes back from Ganadin to live in this world. After all, that's not the normal way that a person appears. When you see somebody coming back from the dead to talk to you, maybe that's how he appears. But somebody who's coming back to the world? Number two, would, why would he literally been Ganadin to heal his neck for three years? How long does it take to heal in Ganadin? Why was he there for more than an hour? Even if he was there to heal his neck, that doesn't take more than three, it's three years? What in the world does that mean? Why would Avram, you know, have tried to find a wife for him if he wasn't back yet? That doesn't make any sense either. He wasn't back. And Avramino said, did he know? Was there a timetable? Was Shemayim told him, all right, it's time to go find a wife. He's going to be back tomorrow. What in the world does that mean? Was he expecting the Kfit Saderach to happen so quickly that Eliezer would come back right at the time when Yitzchak you know, would come back from Shemayim? Why did he appear just in that spot, in the middle of a field? Why didn't he appear back at home? Why would he just come back in the middle of a field? And what was Eliezer's answer back? Hu Adoni. 
That doesn't answer anything. She's clearly asking, why is this guy walking upside down? How is, it's my master, answer that. Oh, my master's always upside down. It's crazy. Like, that's not a normal answer to such a simple question that doesn't make any sense at all. And was he expecting this to happen? Eliezer was expecting something. He doesn't sound shocked. Rivka's falling off a 15-foot camel. And Eliezer's just like, yeah, it's fine. It's my, it's my master. That's something normal. Plus, how long did this last for? Was he always with his feet in the air and head on the ground for the rest of his life? How did he live the rest of his life? Right? I mean, that's like a Spider-Man thing. That's not like a normal thing to do. This is a very, very strange medrash. Now, there are other balitosis here that say that he was in Ghanaian for only two years. That wouldn't work out with this idea unless he was like this for the rest of his life, which is extremely difficult. Now, I finally found this. I've been looking for an answer to these questions for a very, very long time. And the last time that I went through this idea in my head, I haven't given shear on it yet, but every time when I went through this in my head, I said to myself, all right, the Chidah says it's a Pelagadol, so I was going to leave it as a Pelagadol. Listen to this. In the Sefer Otsur Plosa Torah, the author of the Sefer asked the Munkat Shereba, the, the Munkat Shereba from about 10 years ago, who said that his great-grandfather, maybe grandfather, the Minchas Salazar, the Munkacha Rebbe from the turn of the century, of the 20th century, had an explanation for all of this. He told over a story. He said when the Munkacha was 13 years old, he went to a vacation town named Krenitz, Krenjit, Krenich, I don't know exactly what it's called, right, with his grandmother, right, and the author of the Eme Kalacha, right, whose name is Rebbe Yoshua of Zikov, Jikov, what? I've been there. You've been there? Yeah, it's on the border of Slovakia and South Poland. Really? Southern Poland by the corner of Slovakia. That's amazing. Okay, so... That's it. I only know it from an Eighth Day song. I literally don't know it from any other place, right? But that's credits. So he went there. He met the author of Emek Kalachal, Rabbi Yeshua of Zikov, who was also there with Rabbi Yosef Engel. If anybody knows Rabbi Yosef Engel, he wrote an unbelievable encyclopedia that unfortunately was lost in World War II to the Nazis. We don't have any copies of it. We wrote an encyclopedia. He was walking the Munkach Rebbe in the forest there, and he met up with these two Gonim, and they asked him what he was reading. He had a safer with him. So the young Rebbe told him that he was reading the Chidah. He was reading Mamish, the Chidah. They asked him if he understood the Midrashim that the Chidah quoted in his Sefer. And he said he understood a few. They opened up the Sefer to Parshish Chayesara and they pointed to this one. And they say, do you understand this? Can you explain this Midrash? And the 13-year-old Munkat Rebbe said to these two Rebbeim the following. Yitzchak Avinu's Mida was Gevura. That meant that he didn't want to benefit from this world at all. He wanted to live a life that was entirely spiritual and only as a korban to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's why he wanted to give the bracha of Gashmias to Esav. He assumed that Yaakov Avinu would live the exact same way. He wouldn't want anything in this world. After all, Yaakov Avinu wasn't married at the age of 63. 63 he wasn't married because he was sitting and learning Torah all day long. He clearly wanted nothing to do this, to this world. But that type of life, of not having anything to do with Olam Hazeh, is clearly only, only meant for Yitzchak Avinu after the Akedah, being in Ola, where he died, right, and came back with a different Neshama. Others, including Yaakov Avinu, need Gashmias. Rivka Imenu understood that, and therefore made sure that Yaakov would get the bracha of Gashmias from Esav and take it away from him. There's a Mishnah in Ksuvis, again, the 13-year-old Kumun Kachareba said, that says that someone who goes out of town and doesn't remember how to get to his field, which is surrounded by other fields, he comes back and he says, i got to get to my field. And the owners of the fields around him say, well, where's your path? How are you supposed to get there? And he says, I don't know. It's been a long time. I don't know where my path is. My path has disappeared. So the owners of the fields around his field can say the following. They can say, either buy a path for however much money they wanted, 
or fly in the air. Get up in the air and fly to your field. Do one of the two. So here's the shot behind the Medrash, said the Munkach Rebbe. Rivka saw Yitzchak with his feet in the air, meaning this is a man who wanted nothing to do with the world at all. Even his feet, which are the most gashmi part of the person, standing on the ground, even they were up in the air. And therefore, he was flying in the air to get to his spot, assuming that he didn't have to use anything in Olam Hazeh. His derech and avodas Hashem was mesiris nefesh without any gashmias. Rivke Menu was afraid of such a shita, and she thought it would not work out for her children to be able to have such an opinion. She took the tzeif, the kerchief that she had, and covered herself with it. Tzeif stands for Amcha Yisrael Tzrichin Parnasa. Tzrichin Parnasa is the Tzadi and the Pei. Amcha Yisrael is the Ayin and the Yud. That's the Tzif. And she did what she did to make sure that they would get the brachos that they needed to survive in this world. And that, the Munkacha Rebbe said when he was 13 years old, is the Pshat behind this Medrash. That is absolutely unbelievable. Again, I, in Pshat, obviously, this is not Pshat. But the Medrash, and that's what it means. Maybe that's what it means that he spent three years in Gan Eden. Yitzchak Avinu understood after the Akedah, he no longer was in this world. Maybe that means that he literally spent his time learning and had nothing to do with Olamaz at all. He only ate the minimum amount to be able to survive. He only slept the minimum amount he needed to survive. But when he had to get married, Rivka Aminu had to pull him into this world just a little bit. To give him something that's in this world, had to literally pull him back down to the ground and put his feet back on the ground. That is an unbelievable explanation behind the Medrash. That's pretty crazy to be able to go through. Now, in Pshat, guys, where was Yitzchak coming from? The Miyam says, he went to Be'er L'Chairui to bring back Hugger so that his father and Hugger could get remarried. That is Keturah, which is what happens right after this Parsha is over. Others say he was coming from Ganadin, like we said before, but that's the literal Pshat itself. Now, let's get to the falling part. Obviously, if she was so shocked that he was whatever it was, then clearly, obviously, she fell off the camel itself. But as I said before, camels can be 15 feet off the ground. You don't fall off camels. That's just not a smart move. Mati, I never, okay? You know that. From now on, right? You just don't fall off the camels. So what happened? How did she fall off the camel? I've got about nine explanations to this. Number one, Rashi says she did not literally fall off a camel. She leaned off the camel toward the ground based on the Targum that says the same word, vihis rachni, rachni, rakinis, I think it is, as it's used by the words, hati no kadech vayet shamayim. She leaned off the camel to go down and lean toward Eliezer to ask Eliezer, who is this guy? When she's all the way up on the camel, it's hard for her to speak to anyone. So she leaned off it to ask Eliezer who this was. That's Rashi. Sifsei Chachamim says, you can understand from the words of the Pasuk, it doesn't say, Mehagamal, from the camel, but rather it says, Hagamal. She leaned off the top of the camel, but she didn't fall off the camel. That would be mei hagamal, not mei al hagamal. That's the idea behind it. That's the idea the Sifzik Chamim says. So that's answer number one. Answer number two. The Ramban says it sounds to him that she turned herself to another side to turn away from him, seemingly out of Tznias. She wanted to turn away from him, but not that she literally thought of a tipo mei al hagamal, is that she went the other way. Again, leaning is the idea, but leaning the other way to get away. The Bechor Shor seems to say the same thing. She hid her 
her face because of this. In other cases similar to this, for example, Naaman getting out of his chariot to greet Gehazi. Remember when Gehazi ran, ran ahead on his own to get money from Naaman without the permission of Elisha, right? It seems that people fell out of their wagon to turn toward people. In this case, says the Ramban, it may be the exact opposite of the Bahor shore. Number three, the Rashbam says she came down. She went off the camel on purpose, but quickly. And that's why it's Batipal and not Batayraid, which would be the normal word of going down off the camel. But she went down as quickly as she could because of Tznias. She had been riding the camel with legs split, which is not the normal way of women to have ridden back then. They usually rode side saddle. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like they ride on the side with the reins in front of them. So that it would be more Tznias. Women did not ride with their legs spread over the animal itself. That wasn't considered Tznias. And therefore, she they would normally ride side saddle. There are exceptions. Like Avigail, when she went to greet David, either she was scared of David, she was going down a mountain, or it was at night, and therefore she rode in the normal way. That's what the Gemara Pesachim says. And Rivka Imenu, because she was so high on a camel, she also rode in the normal way. So Vatipo, says the Rashbam, is that she came down out of Tznias so that it wouldn't be unsneeze for her to ride a camel in that way. And she didn't want to go side saddle on the camel because that in and of itself was dangerous to do. That's the third answer. Rabbi Vigdor Miller says she slid off quickly out of respect and humility. Not necessarily out of Tznias, but she didn't want to be seated up on top of a camel when her future husband came by. Remember, we said that she knew who this was. She realized it was Yitzchak. So she quickly got off the camel out of respect. That's what she did. The Sforno says she didn't even do that. This is our fifth answer. She leaned her head while sitting on the camel out of honor for Yitzchak. And I don't know what that means exactly, the Sforno. I can't really explain it in the way that I want to. I think it means that she's riding on the camel and she put her head down like that. And that's Fatipo Meala Gamal. She got her head down in front of the camel to make it seem out of respect for Yitzchak. She didn't want to look up. And the sixth answer, uh, seventh answer, I'm sorry. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, sixth answer that we have. Meamalai says from the Zohar, she bowed her body completely before Yitzchak to the point where she was falling off the camel and barely holding on with her hands. And that might be where she had lost her besulin, according to the Medrash, which we're not going to talk about in Yalkit Shimoni Simon Kuftas, but that's a possibility. I don't even understand how that happened. She was leaning off the camel and she bowed completely. Was she an acrobat? Where she's like holding onto the strings and going like that and like bowing herself? I'm sorry? She's really I guess so. I don't know. I don't know if I was a kid and I was on top of a camel if I do that. You know what I'm saying? Again, she's 15 feet off the ground and she's acrobatting it, right? And she's just like, she's sitting there and she's going around like, like in order, you know, it's a lot easier sometimes just nod your head or come off the camel. I'm not sure exactly what the Miamloise means by that. Now, there's a little bit more. We said before an answer as to why Eliezer said Hu Adoni without specifying who his master was. Was it Avram Vino or Yitzchak? Rav Chaim Knievsky says he may have said this because this is interesting. By an Amoha Ivria, meaning a girl that you buy, a Jewish girl that you buy to be your slave until you either decide to marry her called Yud or to give to your child. That's also called Yud. If you do that by an Amoha Ivria or even one's wife, we say in Ksuvah, that a husband cannot force her to serve his son. 
The Amo Yavri or his wife cannot force her to do so, but he can do so by an Evakanani. He can tell his Evakanani that you must serve my son, and he has no choice in the matter whatsoever. Since Avram Avinu forced Yitz, uh, Eliezer to go find a wife for his son Yitzchak, he now became the master of Yitzchak. And that's what it means over here. It means over here that who I don't eat, this is my master. Because once I got you married to Yitzchak, I am now Yitzchak's Eved and no longer Avram's Eved. That's what it says over here. Now it's completely different. So I, some added, maybe because Yitzchak was the master of Eliezer because he had given all of his possessions. Avram Vinu gave all of his possessions to Yitzchak and that included Eliezer. But Chaim said that hadn't happened yet. It was just like, I'm writing all of his possession, my possessions now for later. That he will own all of my stuff. But not that Yitzchak literally owned everything. So it must be that it happened at that moment. But Yaakov Kamenetsky says, I don't think so. Eliezer couldn't be the servant of Yitzchak now, as opposed to before, because he was just talking to Besuel and Lavan, and Rivka's mother, whose main name might have been Devorah, right? And he was talking to all of them, and he was saying, this is what, Yitzchak, what Eliezer was saying, that Avram is my master. Now, if he already was Mikadesh Rivka, because remember, he put the bracelets and the things on her, that means they're already Mikudish, meaning the Kiddushan already happened. At that moment, he should have become Yitzchak's slave, right? Not Avram's anymore. So how is he saying, my master Avram, if he's no longer the servant of Avram Avinu? That's that. That's a real big problem to try to understand. So he suggests the following, and he says something a little crazy, but I think it makes a lot of sense. The Kenyan of all of his possessions would only take place after the Kiddushan, which was in Aram, right? Even then, it's an issue. So he goes on and he says, maybe we can answer this with another question. In Shmuel Bey's, Uriah Hachiti was considered a Morid Malchus. He rebelled against David Amelech. Because why? What did he do that he rebelled? David Amelech told him to go home, and he didn't go home. But there's another thing that Uriah Hachiti did that, I guess irked David Amelech. Does anybody know what he did? In front of David Amelech, he said, Adoni Yoav. My master Yoav is at, in battle right now and I should go home to my wife? You never call someone else your master in front of the king. You are not a master. You do not have any other master other than the king itself. And Uriah didn't do it once. He did it twice. He said, Adoni Yoav, my master Yoav, twice in front of David Melech, and that was Morid Bemalchus. So David Melech had him killed, either by putting him in the front lines or asking him to be in front of the war, whatever it was, but he had him do that because he had used that line twice. Now, here's the idea behind it. How could Eliezer Avram, right, call Avram his master when davening to Hashem? Isn't that against Hashem? He was davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he said, Adoni Avraham, my master Avraham. How could he do that? You can't call someone your master in front of your king. You can't call someone your master like that in front of somebody else. So if Yaakov suggests, Adoni might not be my master. Adoni might be, like, do you guys remember what happened when Yoshua was by Avram Avinu? And Eldad and Medad started prophesying. And one of the things they said was that Moshe Mace Yoshua Machnes. Moshe is going to die. And Yoshua is going to bring Klau Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael. Do you guys say, you know what Yoshua said? It's one of the only two lines that Yoshua has in the entire Torah. If you ever want to be Yoshua in the Parsha play, you're not going to have very many lines. He has two lines, and both times he talks, 
Moshe Rabbeinu knocks him down. <laughs> That's just a fact. Yoshua says two things in the Torah, one at Matan Torah at the very end of the bottom of the mountain, and one here when he sees Elder Nebedim prophesying, and both times Moshe Rabbeinu is like, you're wrong. It's funny. That's just a funny thing to think about. Anybody know what he says? What? What did he say right before that? Kill aim, he said. But what did he say right before kill aim, destroy them? He said, Adoni Moshe, my master Moshe, kill aim. And everyone asked the Kasha, how was he allowed to say Moshe Rabbeinu's name? Yoshua, that's his Rebbe. He can't say Moshe's name. And they all say, Adoni is like Rebbe. Adoni counts as Rebbe Moshe. Says Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, maybe that's what Adoni meant over here. Adoni meant it's my Rebbe. Eliezer was a Talmud of Avram Avinu. He was Dole Umashka Mitoras Rabo. He drew out and drank from the Torah of his Rebbe. That was his Rebbe's name. He couldn't say Avram Avinu's name without an accolade in front of it. So he did. He said, Adoni Avram. My master of Rome. I can't say anything else. He's not calling him my master like Uriachiti was saying Adoni Yoav. Yoav was not Uriachiti's Rebbe. Yoav was Uriachiti's master, right? In general in war. Because he used it in this form, by saying Adoni Avram, Rebbe Avram, that's why it was mutter to say in the middle of davening to Hashem. And that's what he meant by Huadoni. Yitzchak is my master, says Yaakov, Rebbe Yaakov Kamenetsky. I, but I said Adoni Avram when I was talking to your parents. When I said Adoni Avram, I said that because he's my Rebbe. But this is my real master. Yitzchak Avinu is my master. He is the person that owns me now, says Rechaim Kenevsky said, that idea out there. The last thing we have is, why did she cover herself? Now, I'm going to ignore the ideas that everybody learns from over here of this is when a cow avails herself before the chassan. That's true, but that's not what I'm getting into. Why did she cover herself? The Svorno says she was afraid to look at him. Similar to what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu when he got the Karanor Panov, right? She, Mamish, the people couldn't look at Moshe Rabbeinu's face. So too, right? Moshe Rabbeinu, the same thing. Rivka Yimenu could not look at Yitzchak Avinu, and this is crazy, Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't look at the burning bush. The same basic idea. The Balitosa say she was rewarded for this. Because she did this, her children in the future were covered by the Ananiya Kavod when they traveled to the Midbor. Hatsoif is the Gematria of 255, same as Ve'elu Anane Kavod. These are the Ananiya Kavod. Barajas Rabbah, Samach Tezvav says it's interesting. There are two women that covered themselves with veils. Rivka Imenu, and Tamar. You know what's super interesting? They both had twins. Both had twin daughters. When a person is more tsenua, they're blessed with more children. Isn't that a crazy thing? Now there's a crazy Eitz Yosef on the Medrash Rab over here that says this works in a natural way. I looked up the Eitz Yosef. I couldn't understand what he was talking about. He's dealing with a science that's not like our science of today. But he says that it's natural. That when you do this, this is what happens. Where Victor Miller points out that she was not veiled in front of Eliezer. She was not veiled in front of all the men that were with them. But she covered herself before Yitzchak saw her. He says before marriage, she would not display herself to the man who would eventually be her husband, even though she was exceptionally beautiful. She knew she was entering a house of Nevi'im and didn't want him to lose that train of thought that would be on such a high level and think about her beauty before they were married. So therefore, she purposely covered herself. Not for Eliezer. She's not worried about Eliezer. Not for the men. She's not worried about those men. She's worried about Eliezer losing his train of thought when he saw her.
The Igritakawa gives another reason. Yitzchak Kavinu was the definition of Midas Yira. The Gemara Shabbos tells us to cover our heads so that we have a fear of heaven. That's at the very, very end of the Gemara itself. That's why we were a kippah to sort of weigh ourselves down. When she saw Yitzchak, she was so filled with Yira, she felt she had to cover herself in order to be near him. And that was the Yira that she gave herself. That's the Igritakawa. The Rashmi Bell says similarly, there was a Midah of Gevura. He couldn't just marry anyone. He had to wait to marry somebody like Rivka who was filled with chesed, right? And that could sweeten the din that he had. That's why Eliezer made a simon out of finding someone who's filled with chesed in order to marry her, etc. and everything like that. She covered herself to daven for them that they should be treated with rachamim. And that's how the Rashmi Bells understands it. There is a Rashi over here. And I don't quite understand it. The wording is batiskas, is a lashon of batispoel, similar to batikover, batishover. I don't know what it means. I looked up the art school for Rashi. It's like the only time I ever look up art school for Rashi. Try to figure out what tispoel means. The one thing that I can tell you about my unbelievable education is that I've never learned any of these words and how they work. And I try to learn them from Rashi and I still don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I can just give you examples. I can't tell you exactly what it means. There's Ramer Shapiro over here. You can look it up yourself. I'm not going to do it. But then it's Siv says a really crazy idea. Now, this is the Nitziv Vishitaso, and it's one of the reasons why people are very angry at the Nitziv. The Nitziv says this in Pshat, which could be that the only thing in Pshat that I've really said all night, all night tonight, but this is an absolute Pshat, and it's something that, again, as I said before, angers a lot of people. Rav Hirsch as well. And then Itziv repeats this over and over and over again in his parish, and Haim Ekdavr goes over it again and again and again. The initial fear of what happened when Rivka first saw Yitzchak, never left her. She always thought that she was unworthy of marrying this great man, and there was a constant pachad of disappointing him in the future. That's always how she thought. Her relationship with her husband was never like the relationship of Avram Vinu and Sarimenu, or even Yaakov with his multiple wives. It was never the same. Rivka Imenu retained a massive fear of Yitzchak Avinu throughout their entire marriage. Not only because he was older than her, 40 years old, to either 3, 13, maybe she was 33, but he was probably much older than her, but also because of this, because of that fear. When they were upset at one another, or they had something to say to one another, right? Avram, Sarah, Yaakov, Rachel, and Leah said it. You can see it in the Torah. Sarimenu and Avram Vinu get into arguments in the Torah itself. Rachel Imenu and Yaakov Vinu yell at each other in the Torah. Even Leah has a normal conversation. But Yitzchak and Rivka had nothing to say to one another. They never discussed. Again, this is an Itziv shot. I'm not saying this for myself. For me, it's total apicorsis. From the Itziv, it's shot in the Pusik that's very hard within our normal grasp of how the Avos worked. The relationship between them was simply different because of this fear. And this is a perfect introduction to Parshas Toldos, where all you'd ask is, why doesn't Rivka talk to Yitzchak? Why not say, you know, Esav, he's not as good as you think he is. Why not say, I am making sure Yaakov gets this bracha? Why is Rivka hiding behind the scenes and giving her, giving him the Ksonis Pasim and putting goat hairs? Who wears goat hairs on them? And who touches goat hairs? Like, oh, this is my son Esav. Like, oh, what is going on here? Such a pella of a case of everything that's happening. Apparently, this is all influenced by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. 
Hashem made sure that Rivka saw Yitzchak at that exact moment so she would be scared so that the rest of her life she would be influenced by that so that Yaakov Avinu could get the brachos in the way that he got it, in the way that he received them. It was all Ashkacha. Hashem wanted the relationship to be this way. Hashem wanted Rivka to see Yitzchak Avinu this way in a way that she would never forget ever that Pachad Yitzchak. Now again, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, again, I started off and I said that this is, I'm going to tell you some crazy midrashim today. I'm going to end off and I'm going to say, I'm going to tell, that is a crazy pshat. And then Itziv says it, and in pshat, those who like pshat will love that. And they'll be like, oh, oh, oh that's amazing. I knew they didn't have a good relationship. That is absolutely not what the Nitziv is saying. That is definitely not what the Nitziv is saying. The Nitziv is not saying that there was a bad relationship. There was something that they had that was different from the other others. But obviously, there was still a different couple when it comes to that. Rav Hirsch says the exact same type of thing, right? Very, very similar. But that's not for right now. We're going to stop with that for right now. Guys, have a great Shabbos.